Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, Pastor Jonathan's going to be here next week after taking a little bit of a break and uh, be leading us into this series along with our pastors, uh, this uh, Elevating All of Us special summer series. Now, did you ever hear the story about the little old lady? You say, you're starting off with a joke? No, this is a true story. It's a tragic story. It's in the gospel of Luke. And so it's the gospel truth. Here's the way it goes. Jesus uh, is at the temple one day and there's an older woman at the crowded temple because it's the most densely populated time with all the tourists in Jerusalem for the Passover time of year. Uh, but, but it's likely no one else saw her. There were four things about her that made her invisible in her culture, in society at that time. She was old, so there's ageism. They say the older you get, the less you're noticed. I wouldn't know anything about that. She's a woman. We, we saw in the first teaching in this series, Pastor Jen explained that women were considered inferior, marginalized. So she's not only a woman, she's a widow, and that just lowered your status in society at that time. And, and fourth, she was poor. So she is uh, socially invisible times four. And by the way, I Googled this whole area of socially invisible. It's actually a label that researchers use. It, social invisibility is a term to identify a group of people in our society who have been systemically ignored by the majority of the public. So this, this woman in 2020 terms would have been socially invisible. Now, Growing up in a church, the only time I ever heard about this little old lady was when the pastor was teaching about money, about giving. And she was held up as this amazing example because she gave sacrificially, she gave all that she had, and she gave all that she had to live on. We're going to see that in Luke. And so she was held up as a model, and then the application, the punchline was basically, so how are you doing in compared to her? How are you giving? And I've got a confession to make right now that in my 43 years of pastoring, I've never ever taught from this account. I've never told this little old lady story. Why? Well, can you imagine, just to put it in today's terms, can you imagine going to your bank or your landlord if you rent and you tell them, I can't, I can't pay my mortgage this month. I can't pay my rent because I gave it all away to a charity. You know, I gave it away to we so that it could, no, we won't go there. You know, or going to the grocery store and going, putting all of your groceries that you need to live on, on the belt and you come up to the cashier and you say, I don't have any money to pay for these groceries. Why? Because I gave my grocery money to the food bank. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, 
what is Jesus teaching in the Gospels when it comes to finances and giving? What does he teach? He teaches that we're to be wise stewards, responsible stewards of our finances, that we're to be generous in our giving, that we are to count the cost. Remember that story he told? We're to count the cost before we make purchases to see if it's good affordability, and we're to invest so that our money grows so we don't become a liability to others, and we're to have money to give to the needs of others, especially the poor. Jesus teaches all of those things. Jesus teaches financial responsibility. Jesus does not teach financial irresponsibility. Uh, is Jesus now, suddenly in the last week before he goes to the cross, is he suddenly showcasing this little old lady as a model of how you give your rent and your grocery money? Is he saying that's how we should handle our financial giving? So you say, well, Pastor Keith, after 43 years, did you finally figure this out? <laughs> uh, why are you speaking on to it about it now? One word, context. The context changes everything. Watch with me tonight. You know, like, let me illustrate though. During these COVID evenings, my wife and I have watched a number of British television programs. One's called Escape to the Country. Ever seen it? I'll never forget the time I didn't know whether I was hearing it right. These people, obviously, with their British accent, they're describing how they're leaving the big city and they're moving to the country and they're telling the host of the program what kind of real estate, what kind of property, what kind of house they're looking for. And um, I'll never forget the first time I heard one of them say, you know, we got this many bedrooms, we want a garage, uh, actually a gay garage, they said. And then they, and they said, and we, um, we, we also want a place that's really homely. <laughs> homely? Now, in Canada, if you say homely, that means unattractive. Why would someone want an ugly house? They'd put it on their wish list to have an ugly house. It, it needs to be put in the British context, right? Then you know that uh, homely to them means comfy or cozy. It means what we would use the word homey to mean. And then I remember watching another program where they... This person said, and again, I didn't know I was hearing right. They said they wanted home, a home with an outhouse. And, and these were older people. And I'm thinking, why at this stage of life would you ever not want to have indoor plumbing, which is an outhouse to a Canadian means you don't have indoor plumbing. You, 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 you go outside. Why would you want to have that? But again, it needs to be put in the British context. In that British context, an outhouse is an outbuilding, like a shed or a gay rash, as they call it, all right? So what's the context that changes everything about this old, poor widow and her giving? What's the context? Well, to understand, we have to put it in context and see Jesus' comments about the little old lady in that context, all right? So here's the context. Jesus arrives in Jerusalem on a countdown to the cross. Only another week to go. And he is, um, you know, the Palm Sunday, remember? Uh, the victory parade. And people use 
messianic titles and ascribe Jesus uh, with them. He's the Messiah. And of course, their idea of the Messiah was a political one who would overthrow Roman impression and set God's people free. Instead, what Jesus did that week, he came into Jerusalem and he overthrew the tables of the currency traders at the temple. And he said, you know, you guys, you've taken my father's house he called the temple his father's house. It was meant to be a place where people from all nations could come and worship and pray to God and be forgiven and, and grow and learn from the scriptures, from the scribes and the teachers of the law. He says, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves, a cave of robbers, it can be translated. And so uh, listen to what he says. This is the context now in this last week of his life where he meets this little old lady and comments on her. And, and don't forget now that when Luke wrote the gospel, he didn't have chapters. It wasn't chapter 20, 21 that we have here. It just flowed from one into the other. Those were put in over time so that we could find a certain place in scripture. Very, very helpful change. But let's read the scriptures. Then with the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and said, Beware of these teachers of the law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property, and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. That's the context. Who does Jesus call out for shamelessly cheating the widows out of their property? The scribes. Here, in this translation we read from the, the teachers of the law. The people that were supposed to get to know what the Bible said and then teach the people about that. Interpret the Bible so that they could practice what the Bible said. That was their job. You know, to take a verse like Psalm one. 46 verse 9, the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and widow. All right? That, that was the Bible that they were to teach and explain from. The instructions from the prophet Isaiah that said, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. The law of Moses is what they took most seriously. That was their go-to book. That was their specialty, the law of Moses. The law of Moses, Exodus 22 says, do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. No wonder Jesus was so severe with them. He called the, the temple staff thieves. He called the temple scribes, these teachers of the law, scam artists. Because the very people that they had the responsibility to teach others to help, they themselves were using their legal skills to rip them off, to devour widows' houses, 
Take their property, as some translations say it. And it gets worse. They're shamelessly cheating widows of their money, and they're doing it in the name of God. Mamma mia. <laughs> like, how can they be doing this? This is an abuse of power. These are people claiming to be something that they're not. We're able to tell you what the Bible says. That's not exactly what they're doing. How, how many have ever been scammed by someone that was claiming to be something that they really weren't, you know? How many in recent months have got a call from, you know, this is the CRA, you know? Give us your money or else we'll get the RCMP to put you in jail. <laughs> like, it's, and who are they taking advantage of? Sometimes new immigrants that don't know how the system in Canada works. Sometimes senior citizens just putting fear in them. And just not understanding all, you know, the modern technology and ways of doing things. Who are they taking advantage of? They're taking advantage of, of the people that Jesus would say are, are, are invisible. These little old ladies in society. It makes me want to say more than mamma mia. <laughs> look, look at the next verses. Well, we picked, let's pick up where we left off. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. They were called lepta, lepta. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple. That's the very next word. Did you see that? Sort of like... Not only is she invisible, it's like what Jesus said about her was invisible. When you go to Jerusalem today, you will see uh, temple ruins. It looks like this in this picture. They're very impressive. But um, it, it was nothing like it was in Jesus' day. In, in Jesus' day, it looked something more uh, like another picture that's going to be coming up, all right? That's what you see today that you see on the screen now. But let's, let's just move through those because we come to a place where, where it, it looks, it, you know, the temple in Jesus' day that his disciples were admiring the architecture of, it was, it was so impressive. It was beautiful. It was one of the architectural wonders of the world. It, it, let's go to the next picture. It was twice the size of the Acropolis in Athens. One stone on the southwest corner, 11 meters long. You just see it and you wonder, how did they ever get that there? For a thousand years, it had stood as a place for, for God to be able to have a place where his people could come and meet with him. And the disciples are admiring the grandeur of the architecture. Look at the next verse. Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said, the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on another. You can imagine the, the, the disciples are admiring this. They're just in from, you know, Hicktown, Galilee, and the big city and the CN Tower. Like, this is amazing. And then Jesus says, it's all going to be gone. You can imagine the disciples' reaction. It's like telling a Canadian that the day is coming when Niagara Falls is going to be reduced to a, a backyard sprinkler system. You know, it's just like, what? How could that? And you know what? 
A few decades after Jesus said that, 70 AD, the Romans uh, conquered Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. And what Jesus had just said, it was unfathomable at the time. But, but it actually came to happen. So, but, but, the, but here's what we're saying here. Do you see the context for the little old lady story? On the one side of it, you have Jesus doing judgment number one. He's judging the corrupt temple leadership who were using their power that he had entrusted to them to take advantage of the people financially. That was judgment number one on the temple staff. And then judgment number two was on the temple itself. It's like Jesus was saying, corrupt leaders, you're going down. Corrupt temple building, used for corruption, you're coming down. That's the context for this invisible woman that Jesus identifies in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is not saying, give away the money that you need for your rent and groceries and become a liability to society. Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is saying, beware of anyone who abuses a system that God put in place to care for those very people that are being taken advantage of. Uh, That's why you'll never hear Pastor Jonathan stand up here and say, send me your seed money. You know, plant your finances in my ministry. Give to me. And if you give, I'll tell you, you are going to get. You are going to, whatever you're greedy for, you're going to be able to get. You'll never hear Pastor Jonathan say, send me your seed money invested in the ministry that I am lead pastor of. And I'll show you how God will bless because I'm going to go buy a million-dollar mansion in Markham with the money you sent. You say, Pastor Keith, a million dollars won't buy you a two-bedroom condo in Markham. I, 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 but, but you hear what I'm saying here. You'll never hear that said because that is the opposite of what Jesus teaches about finances. It appeals to selfish greed, and that's the very opposite of what the gospel is all about. Yes, Jesus and the apostles teach us to give generously, sacrificially, and faithfully. But in this context, Jesus is making an invisible person visible in a tragic context where a religious system is so corrupt, it scams the very people God had commissioned them to especially help. Have you ever felt invisible? You ever been in one of those situations where you were ripped off and you reached out and there was no one there to help? You know? Yeah, have you ever been in a place in life where maybe it was emotionally, you just thought, well, no one cares whether I live or die. By the way, someone said, if you don't think anyone cares if you live or die, try missing a mortgage or rent payment, you know. But, but, but remember when you moved to Canada or moved to a new community within this country or went to a new school or a new job and you just felt marginalized, displaced, and, you know, you were somebody back home, but now you were just like, you were, you were nobody. It's like you, you didn't even know how you fit. And some people, they've been through abuse experiences and have reached out for help and they feel the system has let them down. The people that said that they would be there have let them down. Have you ever 
been through a situation where you lost someone you really loved, maybe you lost your partner, lost a job. You can even lose money. And, and if you found a lot of your sense of security in what you lost, it leaves you saying, who am I now? You know, without this person in my life, they're gone. Without that job, that title, that position, without those, those financial uh, means that I used to have, who, who am I now? You can almost sense that you're becoming invisible. And then ageism. It's when you get old, happens to some. We're, we're told that when you become older, it's like people don't even see you. There's a lot written about that. There's been a lot of people's experience. And it is the experience in so many cultures and societies, except there is this story that joins with the other stories that we have been seeing in this series, and that it's that, that Jesus finds these people that others overlook, like the women, you know, or bypass like the blind men, or dismiss as insignificant like the children, and then this invisible woman who gives in the temple that no one else sees, and Jesus elevates them. And, and what you see in this story about the little old lady are three uh, amazing encouragements for you and me in those times where we can feel, feel, you know, invisible in life. And the first one is this. Jesus sees systemic injustice and will judge perfectly. Jesus sees the systemic justice. Remember in the temple how Jesus saw it. And he, he held those leaders accountable. He, he says they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend. Listen to what he says next. Because of this, they will be severely punished. Now, what a big deal to make out of two lepta. That was the smallest currency in the Greek coinage of the time. It was two lepta, two little coins that were given. And it's interesting to see how much they're worth. You know, it takes 400 leptas to make one denarii. So it sounds like a, a restaurant on the Danforth, doesn't it? Those, those Greek words. But, but so to put it in context, the average daily wage was 132 leptas. So it took the average worker just six minutes to earn two leptas. So Jesus isn't talking. He's not making a big deal out of the amount of money. He's making a big deal out of the amount of tragedy, the amount of the injustice. And if you've been with us in this Jesus Project series for 2020, you have seen that Jesus reserved his most severe corrective rebukes for those who took advantage of others in society when they knew better, and in this case, when it was their job to take care of those people. You know, remember that child? Jesus says, oh, you harm a child. It would be better off for you to have a huge millstone put around your neck and be thrown into the sea than to do any harm to one of these little ones. Remember those that said, Jesus, we... You know, on judgment day, they would come before Jesus and say, Lord, in your name, we did this. And Jesus knew they did it to advance themselves. They used the religious system to advance themselves, not to serve and help people. And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I didn't even know you, because you didn't even know me. You were doing it for self, 
not for me. See, Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what is going on in the injustices of your life. When, when you're mistreated by people and you think, well, I tried to hold them accountable at work. I went through this process or the courts that process or through family tried to hold them accountable. And it's like they just got away with it. Listen, how many understand that no one gets away with mistreatment of other people? They may get away with it in the courts. They may get away with it in political circles. They may get away with injustice even in the family. But Jesus knows what's going on. And just like he says here, because of this, they will be severely punished. Listen, courts and people in this life will not have the final say. How many know Jesus will have the final say and justice will be done perfectly because he does justice perfectly in all of his ways. So you can trust him with that. You can, you can leave that with him. Jesus sees systemic justice and will judge perfectly. Second, here's what else we see in this story about the little old lady. Jesus sees those who do justice for invisible people and he rewards them. He sees those of you who help someone experiencing injustice, and he rewards you for doing that. The, the apostles heard Jesus say, there'll be those that come before him and say, we did this, we did that. And he'll say, I never knew you. And then he says, but you know what? There'll be some I'm going to say, come on into heaven. Come into your reward. Because you help people who were overlooked and bypassed and marginalized and discounted and demeaned. You were there to do justice when there wasn't justice for people. And they say, when did we ever do that to you, Jesus? Because you did it to me. And, and here's what he says. And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You did for me. Now, the apostles must have recalled that. They must have remembered that because uh, they cared for the widows in Acts chapter 6. Listen to a few years later, James wrote, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, refusing to let the world corrupt you. And that's what we can do. I remember when we pastored in Ottawa and there was this elderly woman that was losing it mentally and her lawyer tried to take advantage and even with a marriage to get access to her money. And, and I remember just as a church, we were able to just intervene and protect. It happens every time you give. And God bless you. Pastor Jonathan, the deacons are seeing the, the faithfulness of your giving over the summer because you know we're helping a lot of people in Toronto. Through our staff and ministries, we're helping a lot of people through our global workers around the world. So bless you for your, your faithfulness. Now, if we were having a physical gathering, if you're right here in this room with me, you know, we'd probably end tonight by praying with you physically and, and caring for one another that way. You know, and, and so many of you, it's been new to you, but you've learned to get online. You know, we may be online for some time without physical gatherings that allow us to pray for one another. So let's learn. <laughs> let's learn. And, and Pastor Matt and others will be there at the end of my teaching just to help you get online and to, 
to have someone pray together with you. I miss being able to do that for you. So many times I wonder how you're doing, but you know what? Look at this third truth. Jesus sees you when you're invisible to others and he cares for you. Jesus is so clear. Remember earlier in Luke, we saw that Jesus sees the grass that gets mowed down. He says, God sees the sparrow that makes its last flight on tired wings. God sees the hair that goes through your comb for the last time. And Jesus says, if God cares for you that much, if God cares and notices that much hairs and birds and grass, how much more does he care for you, my child, made in my image? So he cares for you. So at the end of our teaching time today, have someone pray together with you what you're going through. Because I'll tell you this, why did Jesus make such a big deal of this little old lady, this invisible person? Because no one's invisible to Jesus. And his eyes are on you. His eyes are on you. He's watching over you. Just turn to him with your needs right now. Father, thank you for your loving care for every one of us. And we pray for people that are really going through it. I pray for our hosts and pastors that are going to be praying with people that are especially going through a tough time right now, Lord. Be there for them. Lord, even though we can't see people who are online watching, part of this gathering, you see them, Jesus. They're not invisible to you. And whatever they're going through, you see it all. And you love them and you care for them. So do that for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Love you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing, both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.